Good morning, everyone. Um, today's reading is taken from the book of Romans, chapter 6. Um, we're reading from the first verse down to verse 14, which you can find on page 1132 of the Church Bibles. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? so that grace may increase, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. If you've been uh, following the news this week, uh, you might have uh, noticed a lot going on around Brexit. But amongst all that uh, rather perhaps depressing news, there was a slightly better bit of news locally, and that was the news that uh, Lewis Dunk, an Albion player, has been selected and played for England for the first time. First time since, John told me this earlier, 1983, something like that, that an Albion player has played for England. Um, the Telegraph rated his performance as 6 out of 10, which uh, is all right. Now, can you imagine Lewis Dunk, when he's uh, uh, put on his shirt for the first time, uh, going up to Gareth Southgate and saying, Mr. Southgate, I'm a defender. I'm going to spend a lot of my time at the back, but I really would like to be England's top goal scorer. 
So as I'm at the back, would it be all right if I kick the ball into the England net? What do you think Gareth Southgate's reaction would be? I think he would say that's a pretty dumb question, frankly. It's a, it's a nonsense question, isn't it? He's on a different team. Uh, it would be a very, very odd question. Well, if you've got your Bibles open, we're on page 1132, chapter 6 of Romans. And chapter 6 of Romans starts out with a rather similar odd question. You might say a dumb question. It starts off with, with this question, shall we keep on sinning to increase God's grace? And that question arises because it flows directly from something we read uh, at the end of chapter 5 and verse 20. And it's what Phil was preaching on uh, a few weeks ago. Look at verse 20. It says there, where sin increased, grace increases all the more. That's really a matter of saying, and, and Phil explained this, that it doesn't really matter how much we disobey God. It doesn't matter how much we sin and fall short. God's grace and God's forgiveness will just keep on coming. There is sufficient grace, there is sufficient forgiveness to cover everything that we do think, everything that falls short of God's glory. And if forgiveness and grace is such a good thing, then logically we might say, well, let's have lots of it, let's keep on sinning. If that creates more grace, more forgiveness, isn't that a good thing to do? Well, that's the question. Uh, what's the answer? Paul says, you can see that, verse 2, by no means. It's rather a prim translation. I think this is a much better translation. I think Paul would have gone, Doo! by no means is very hove, isn't it? And I think the rest of the chapter that we're going to look at is really going to explain why Paul reacts like that. By no means. Why does Paul answer the question like that? But before we look at the answer, I want us to go back and have a think about why this question is being asked. Because it may not be a question that naturally occurs to you. So this may feel a slightly odd passage to be studying. And I think the first thing to think about is that this is a sort of reaction from the readers in a, in a multicultural, multi-religious sort of society to what you might call the scandal of the good news, the scandalous gospel. Because Paul's time, I don't think, was that different uh, from now, that lots of folk think there are lots of ways of getting to God by being religious, following different religious practices, or, or, or maybe just being a good person, or maybe going through the motions. And yet the message of Christianity is anything but that, isn't it? It's simply saying, repent, trust in Jesus, and you are right with God forever. So there's no need for us to behave in any particular way. There's no need for us to be particularly religious or, or, or sacrifice. We haven't got to earn merit. We haven't got to do liturgy. Uh, we, we haven't got to do anything, frankly. All we need to be saved is to repent 
and trust in the Lord Jesus. So there was some sense in people when they heard this for the first time, perhaps saying, well, if God forgives everything, why don't we just do what we want? Now, maybe that is not your question here today. And I think especially for those of us who follow the Lord Jesus, those of us who have been Christians for some time, that question uh, may not occur to us. But I do think there's another way of thinking that we all fall into. And I know as I've reflected on this passage, I thought, well, this is certainly true of me. And the best way perhaps I can put it is quoting John Stott, because he asked this question. He says, do we, and he's talking to believers, he says, do we make light of our own failures on the grounds that God will excuse and forgive them? And you probably say, no, I don't do that, because that was my reaction when I read that. And then I had to think and thought, actually, there's a certain level of sin that I kind of tolerate. You know, I think I dealt with 90% of it, but there's a little bit that just sort of gets by. And that's John Stott's challenge, and I think that's what Paul's challenge is as well in this passage. Do we really take sin so seriously? Do we really understand our standing before God once we accept the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Saviour? So, we may not have exactly the same question as this passage starts with. We may not be saying, let's go on sinning so that grace may increase. But we can, I think, slip into, well, I've got a little bit of sin in my life, but... God forgives. That doesn't matter too much. Well, to both of those questions, Paul's answer, as we've seen, uh, is a resounding no. And so we have to go on to the why not. You can say no, but why not? And Paul's answer is a little bit strange. It's a little bit strange. Because he doesn't, in some ways, give the answer at all. Because he says, we died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? That's verse 2. That's his answer. He said, we died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? So Paul's point is not to answer the question, to, to prove, if you like, that it's a nonsense question. It's like replying to Lewis Dunk's question earlier. I'm sorry, Lewis, you might be listening to this, I suppose, but uh, I'm sure you didn't ask that question. But it would have been a nonsense question, wouldn't it? As Christians, we've changed sides. Paul says we're literally dead to sin. Now, the thing that really struck me as I try to get to grips with this passage is that when Paul says we are dead to sin, he means it. And I guess if there's one thing I'm still trying to process, and, and, and you may want to take away, is that this is not a figure of speech. Paul is not using this phrase dead to sin figuratively. He is saying absolutely literally, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, this is an amazing statement of fact. When we put our trust in Jesus, we've shared in his death, we've shared in his new life, we are dead to sin. Let me give you an example. This is, uh, some of you uh, will have been watching this uh, a few weeks ago, Vanity Fair uh, on ITV, quite a, a contentious production, I think. Uh, some of you may have done it as an O-level textbook or A-level years ago. Uh, but in Vanity Fair, uh, George Osborne, on the left, isn't he? 
on the left. George Osborne uh, wants to marry Amelia. And that's fine because Amelia is very wealthy. And George Osborne's father, Mr. Osborne, he's also very wealthy. So he approves of the match. Uh, But Amelia's family, they fall on hard times. Uh, And George is in love with Amelia. And he's going to marry her anyway. And Mr. Osborne is horrified. And there's a great scene in the, uh, on, on the series when uh, Mr. Osborne, he gets out the family Bible uh, where there's a sort of the family tree in it and he takes out his pen and he scratches out George's name. And he says, George is dead to me. He's no longer part of this family. He's dead. That is exactly what Paul is not saying in this passage. It is exactly what he's not saying in this passage. Because the fact is that when George's name was crossed out, George was still very much alive. He wasn't really dead. George went off to fight at Waterloo. Uh, And uh, Waterloo is a bit of a disgrace. And he does get shot. And he is killed. And he is dead. And then he really is dead. And that is what Paul is saying is our relationship to sin. Sin is as dead to us as George was lying on that battlefield at Waterloo. So the question, do we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Paul says it's a nonsense question. Your old self is uh, is dead. Your new self is alive in Christ. And to reiterate that point, Paul goes over it several times in this passage. So let's just uh, look at those. Uh, if you look at verse 3 and 4, it says there, Paul says, we were baptized into Christ's death. That's one way of saying that we are one with Christ, who died and conquers death. It's not a matter of identifying with Christ. We are one with him. We are in Christ and Christ is in us through his Holy Spirit. Then look at verse 6. It says that our old self was crucified with Jesus. Now, Galatians 5 talks similar language. Galatians 5, uh, Paul talks about crucifying the sinful nature. That is not what Paul is saying here. Crucifying the sinful nature has got something to do with putting to death deeds that we, we, we shouldn't be doing and so on. But here... He was saying that when you are, the person you were was crucified with Christ. Just as Jesus died and took the penalty for sin, so we have died and that penalty has been paid for us. Verse 7 says we are set free from sin because we have died. Sin no longer has any claim on us. And sin, and there are no claims on people who have died. I know we have the bereavement service later on. Um, so it's perhaps it's difficult to be talking so much about death in this passage. But in this context, death is a great thing. Because we are dead to sin and there's no more claim on us from sin. Then look at verse 8. It says that we died with Christ again and we will live with him. That's the promise for the future. Now, today we're focusing on the 
dead to sin perhaps, but there is the great promise, the great hope for the future, the flip side, that we have eternal life with God. And then finally, verse 10, count yourself dead to sin. There we are, that's an accounting term. I'm on my home territory. Um, I think the double entry is credit death, debit life. Um, In accounting terms, debits are good things, by the way. So that's all right. So credit death, debit life. A transaction has happened, you see. You can record that transaction. It's as certain as a set of accounts. So all those things are underlying this point. Paul's point isn't that we just imagine sin is dead to us. We don't treat sin as dead in some way. We are actually dead as far as sin is concerned. Well, so what, you might say. Because the fact is that I say that sin is dead mm, may not actually resonate with you at all. You may be saying, well, that's just not my experience. It's just a load of nonsense. Of course, sinners are alive and well. I know I sin. We're going to have confession later on. We sin. We know we sin. How can I stand up here saying we're dead to sin? doesn't make any sense at all. doesn't match my experience at all. So that's one issue to deal with. And another issue to deal with out of this passage is the so what, the implications of it. What does it mean for me if this is true? So I want to address those two different points under these headings of of confidence and change. Um, And and the first thing is that, of course, it's true that none of us feels in our day-to-day life dead to sin. Uh, And so being told that that's the case may have two effects on us. It may make us feel very inadequate. You may be a Christian sitting here saying, well, I'm not really doing very well then, am I? I don't feel dead to sin. This is not good news for me. Or even worse, you may be sitting here saying, well, actually, I don't think I can be a Christian at all then, if this is true. If you're saying I'm dead to sin, and that should be my experience, but I'm simply not. So how can it be that I have the Holy Spirit living in me? It's a bit like Lewis Dunk not believing he's got the England shirt on, isn't it? Well, of course, that is what the devil would would love us to think. And that is why this chapter is so important. We can't just rely on our feelings. There's a great scene in The Great Escape. I looked this up uh, earlier and discovered it didn't really happen, but never mind. Uh, It's still a good good scene in the film. Uh, Two of the prisoners, they've escaped from the prison. They've dug under the wire and all that stuff. They got across France and they're heading for freedom uh, into Spain. Uh, And as they go through the French foothills, they're worried all the time. They're going to be captured. They're going to be shot or they're going to be taken back to the prison because they're not free at all. And as they walk along a mountain pass, somewhere like this in the the Pyrenees, they bump into a shepherd and they ask him the way. And they can't understand a word he says. And their French isn't very good, and they think, now we're in real trouble. And And if you'd asked them how they felt at that moment, they'd have said, we're in trouble, we're lost, we're in enemy territory, We're doomed, as it were. And then it dawns on them that the person they're talking to isn't speaking French at all. He's speaking Spanish. And actually, they crossed the border. They took a decisive step as they crossed the border. They went across the frontier, and they are free. They've moved from one dominion to another. 
If they'd relied on their experience, if they'd relied on their feelings, they'd have said, mountains look much the same. Nothing's really changed. But a fundamental transaction had occurred. They walked across that frontier. They had moved from one dominion to another. And that is the truth of chapter 6. That's why it's such an important chapter and such an important truth that the same thing happens. The moment we put our trust in the Lord Jesus, that transaction happens. We cross a frontier, whatever our feelings may be, however much sin may be attacking us. Just like the frontier guards might have been shouting at those prisoners and shooting them over the border. The fact is, our eternal souls are safe. They have a new life before them. We can be confident that we really are dead to sin and alive in a new kingdom. So that's one application. But the second application out of this is in verse 12, where Paul says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Now, it's kind of related to that earlier point, because notice he talks about your mortal body. Very, very specific. He's talking about us in the here and now. He's talking about our bodies, our minds, our feelings, our emotions. That's where sin is active. That's where sin is having a go at us. But Paul says it's only going to affect your mortal bodies, not your immortal future. And in the meantime, here and now, that means we're in a fight. And that's obviously true, isn't it? We all know that. Sin is at work in our mortal bodies. We know that. And interestingly, first 12 in, in Romans, this, this verse we're looking at, it's the first application in the whole of Romans. It's the first time Paul has said, I've done all this teaching on grace and forgiveness. This is the first time I'm saying what you've got to do about it. And he says, we're in a fight. And that requires action. Verse 13 says, we are not to offer any part of ourselves as instruments of wickedness. In the message, an alternative translation, it's rather a good phrase, it says, do not even run little errands for the devil. So that's a practical matter, isn't it? That's a matter of self-examination, a matter of prayer. Uh, We'll use the words later on in, in the communion service, talking about confessing our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. And we need to challenge ourselves, don't we, whether those are connected with our old lives. Am I, am I listening to the Holy Spirit's prompting? Am I using the Holy Spirit? He's, he's within us to help us. Am I taking sin seriously enough? You know, we used to sing a chorus. Some of you older folk may remember this song. Do you remember this? We used to go, gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Anybody remember that? Anybody old enough? Yeah. <laughs> And if you were like me, you sang at the back and you sang a much more honest version and you sang, fun, 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 yes, my sins are fun. <laughs> well, they're both true, aren't they? That's the trouble. My sins are gone, buried in the deepest sea. That is a great truth. But it's also true that they are still fun. And we need to recognize the truth in both versions uh, and, and take it seriously. So, let me recap. We, we started with the question that if God forgives, why don't I just carry on living uh, however I want to and uh, God's grace will cover all my sin. Paul says, that's a dumb question. You've changed sides. You're a new creation. We're dead to sin. Uh, That is great news because we are now alive in Christ and alive to God. That's the great news of this passage. Still requires us to deal with sin in our day-to-day life, but we should never doubt 
that our future is secure and our place is secure in the kingdom of heaven. It's the great message of Romans 6. Great answer to a dumb question. Phil's closing his book up as though he's going to stand up, but there's a PS. Just to wait a minute. Because actually, maybe this isn't such a dumb question after all. Maybe it's a really great question. Because maybe you've been listening to some of this stuff thinking, do you know, this doesn't make any sense at all. Surely what this passage says is that I can keep on sinning and that God will forgive me. So, so what? And I have to say that if that is your reaction, then that is a woohoo moment in Homer Simpson terms. Because that's right, you've got it. That is the scandalous good news of the gospel. That is something the Holy Spirit has revealed to you today. Exactly right. God's grace and his forgiveness will keep on coming and will keep on forgiving. All that you need to do is to turn to the Lord Jesus and accept that. Roman 9 says our salvation does not depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. Jesus simply says, words we'll have later, come to me, all you are weary, carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So if you think it's too easy, well done. You're beginning to understand the great news of the gospel. So let me recap my recap before I finish. Those who are in Christ, we're not under the reign of sin. We're born into a new life and we're dead to sin. That passage ends, doesn't it? Shall, sin shall not be our master. We are not under law, but we're under grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.